Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy. God, you have been so merciful to us. You have given us breath this morning to awaken to this world. You have brought us mercifully without pain to this church this morning. And Lord, you have mercifully spoken to us by your word so that we hold the words of the living God in our hands right now. Lord, we ask that you would show further mercy to us. As we look at your word, we have minds that are so befuddled with the things of this world and we can't think clearly. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would give us right thinking about your word. We pray that you would give us eyes to see what you have recorded here so many years ago so that it does indeed benefit us this morning. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we've been working our way through the book of Hosea, and I encourage you to have uh, the book open this morning before you, and we're coming to the end. We've come to chapter 13. There are 14 chapters in this book uh, that we've been studying together, and it's found on page 898. If you've got a Black Church Bible, I encourage you to open it up to page 898, and we've come to chapter 13. And basically, the book is a collection of different prophecies given by the prophet Hosea, while the Israelites... Uh, were being led astray by false gods. So the land of Israel had split into two different kingdoms. You've got the northern kingdom and then you've got the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom is basically a collective of all the tribes except for Judah. Judah is the one tribe. Uh, that's the tribe that David comes from. That is the, the kingdom that is most favoured by God. But the prophecies of Hosea primarily seem to be to the Israelites in the northern kingdom. And again and again, the prophet has been talking about the sin of the Israelites and how God is grieved by their sin and will bring judgment upon them. And he has also spoken about the great love of God, uh, particularly in the first three chapters, which are most well known about the book of Hosea. We see that again and again, God does have glimpses of his compassion, his love for his people. And so there's this recurring idea again and again throughout the book of Hosea that the Israelites have sinned, God is going to judge them, yet there is nonetheless hope if you look for it. And that is what we're going to see again here in chapter 13, just put in a different way once more for us. In Hosea chapter 13, we see at the beginning that the Israelites are powerful, that people have actually feared Israel at different points. Uh, and we see that in the opening verse. Verse 1 of Hosea chapter 13, we read, When Ephraim spoke, men trembled, he was exalted in Israel. Now, Ephraim is just one of the dominant tribes of Israel, and so often the name Ephraim just represents all of Israel. So here Hosea is acknowledging that Israel has been quite powerful in the past, that when they spoke... Men trembled, and he was exalted in Israel. That this tribe in particular, but collectively all of Israel is, is guilty of this, that they were exalting themselves. But all, what also were they doing? Well, we read in verse 1, the second part of verse 1, it says, But he became guilty of Baal worship and died. Now they sin more and more. They make idols for themselves from their silver cleverly fashioned images, all of them the work of craftsmen. It is said of these people they offer human sacrifice and kiss the calf idols. So they were exalted amongst men at least. People trembled when Israel spoke, when Ephraim spoke. 
but they were also guilty of false worship. They worshipped the Baals, they made cleverly fashioned images, they bowed down to idols, and it may even be, it's hard to translate exactly, uh, verse 2, the end there, they even started to engage in human sacrifice, it says there. Um, They were engaging in terrible worship of false gods. But what did that lead to? Well, verse 1 tells us. Verse 1, it says, When Ephraim spoke, men trembled. He was exalted in Israel, but he became guilty of Baal worship and died. What is the judgment that is coming to them? Well, it's death. And then God gives four little illustrations as to the significance of what is happening to Israel, what death will bring to Israel, what they they will be like. How does God consider these Israelites who have engaged in false worship? Well, verse 3 has four little metaphors as to what you are like if you engage in false worship. What are they? Verse 3 says, Therefore they, that's the Israelites, will be like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears, like chaff swirling from a threshing floor, like smoke escaping through a window. Four things the Israelites are like. What are they like? They're like morning mist and early dew, things that are there for a time but quickly disappear. Or like chaff on the threshing floor, so this is a farming illustration, they used to, uh, with the wheat or the grain, they'd, they'd throw it up in the air and the chaff would blow away and the heavy grain would fall to the ground. And so this chaff is the worthless part of the plant that just is swept away with the wind. Or like it says in verse 3 there, like smoke escaping through a window. Now these four things, mist, dew, chaff and smoke, do have an impact for a time. We do notice them. I mean, that's why they're given as an illustration. There are things in this world. And morning mist can be annoying, Uh, it can obstruct view if you're driving to work, or it can even, uh, if it's dense fog in the morning, it can slow down a whole airport. You think of Sydney Airport, I've seen times where I was meant to be picking someone up from the airport and they just weren't able to land. A big place full of technology, all the advances of this age, there at that airport, these massive engines on these big planes, these radars, and they can't land because of a bit of fog that's there in the morning. It can have an impact for a time, that morning mist or a bit of dew. It can have an impact. I notice this, I go for a morning walk uh, early in the morning and I go through the park and there's often dew on the ground and I come back and there's bits of grass stuck to my shoes because of the dew. And my wife says, oh, you're tramping grass through the house, can't you just stick to the path um, rather than go through the park? And I'm like, oh, well, I like the greenery, it's, it's sort of relaxing start to the day. But it's the dew that's the annoying part. And if it's been very dry, as it has been lately, it's not much of a problem for me because there's not much moisture in the earth at the moment. But if there's a lot of moisture there, if there's a lot of morning dew, it can be annoying, um, particularly if you don't want to get your feet wet. Also, chuff on the threshing floor, it's annoying. It has to be blown away. And, I mean, the modern equivalent for us today would be some leaves, plant matter that gets in the way uh, of your back garden. I find that I have uh, a real problem, particularly at this time with spring, with gum nuts and all kinds of things falling on my, my pathway and I have to go out there and I have to blow it away or suck it up with a vacuum cleaner or get it with the lawnmower. It's annoying. It has an impact for a time, the chaff from a plant. And also smoke. It can have an impact. It can be annoying. It can get in your eyes, make your eyes uh, uh, water. 
It can also even set off an alarm in the house. It's very annoying if you burn the toast and suddenly the smoke alarm's going off in the house. And smoke can actually kill people at times as well. It can have a major impact if there's enough smoke in a house and people don't know and the smoke alarm doesn't go off and people are resting, people are sleeping. People can die from smoke. So these things do have an impact for a time. But eventually all four things leave little trace that they were ever there. And this is how God describes the Israelites. Because of their sin, they are simply like morning mist, like early dew, like chaff, like smoke escaping through a window. They have a little bit of an impact for a time, but then soon are no longer there. And the thing is, we also today deserve to be described in this way because we have also sinned. We have worshipped false gods far too often. Everyone in this room, we've dedicated ourselves at different times in our lives to false gods. We've worshipped ourselves. We've loved the idea that we could be like Ephraim there in verse 1. When we speak, men tremble. We like that idea, that we would have an impact upon those around us and scare people to do what we want them to do. And yes, in our sin, we can actually agitate people somewhat, just like morning mist can and early dew and chaff and smoke. We can have a bit of an impact upon those in our lives. We can slow a few people down like the morning mist, like a fog. We can stop them from doing some of the things that we don't want them to do. We can annoy people like the dew annoys my shoes. We can uh, bother them in some respects. We can bother them like leaves in the garden. And we can even in our sin cause some people to be very alarmed about what's going on in their life like smoke alarms people. But any impact you have with your sin as you proudly exalt yourself is quickly over, just like these four things are quickly out of the life of the person that they're in. Your life is ultimately like a mist, like dew, like chaff, like smoke going out a window. You're a dead man walking. Your death will put an end to pretty much everything you have done all your work, all your agitation with others, all the impact that you have had upon others, your death will bring most of it very quickly to a close. And it's true. The Bible tells us it, but as we consider this world and the impact that other people have had in it, we can see that it's not too long before most people are pretty much forgotten altogether. Think of who had your job before you had it. Your role at work. Do you know who had it before you? What about the person who had that job before you? And will anyone actually have your job after you? If you own your own company? Or will the company even exist if you don't own it? And someone will have that role. And so all that work that you do every day, when you're out of it, will it continue? Think of who used to live in your house the person who thought it was their house for maybe decades, and now it's your house, and you don't even know who they are. And one day that will be the case for the person who comes after you. You think it's your house now, but someday it'll be somebody else's house, and they won't even know your name, probably. And you'll have had little impact upon that building in itself. Think of your relatives who lived before you. How much do you know about your great-grandparents? Could you even tell me the names of your great-grandparents? What they did for a living, where they lived, 
What about your great-great-grandparents? Maybe you do know your great-grandparents, a little bit about them. What about your great-great-grandparents? That's just going back four generations. How much do you know about those people that lived long, prosperous lives, no doubt, agitated quite a few people? Who remembers them today? Few people are spoken of in the years to come, let alone feared. You may agitate a few people today, but no one will fear you when you are long gone. You'll have very little impact upon those to come. And this is not just coming from Hosea chapter 13 and as we look at life. The Bible repeats this idea again and again about how quickly our lives are over and how little impact we have. We saw that in James chapter 14. James, uh, James chapter 4, I should say. James chapter 4, that passage we read before, it says, Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So what the Apostle James is saying there, saying, today or tomorrow you make this great boast, I'm going to go to this city, I'm going to do this bit of business, I'm going to have a real impact wherever I go. It says, you're like smoke. You appear for a little while and then vanish. Do you realise that it won't be long and it will be like you never existed? Just think about 200 years ago, people who lived then. How much do we know about them? It's like they were never there. Unless you start really doing some good, hard research and finding out about their lives. But some people have left very little trace at all that they ever existed. Will you leave much trace that you ever existed? It won't be long before someone else is doing your job, someone else is living in your house, and it's like you were never there. And we all deserve to be removed in this way because we have all engaged in false worship. We have not worshipped God as we should, and so we deserve to, be, to die, to be dead men walking, and to one day have little significance in this world altogether. But the thing is, there is hope that our lives are not a complete waste of space. And that hope is actually shown to us in Hosea chapter 13. Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. Look with me there now, page 898. Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. God says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Where, O death, are your plagues? Where, O grave, is your destruction? God tells us that he will ransom some people from the grave, that some people will be redeemed. And the Apostle Paul picks up on this very verse and quotes it in the New Testament to show that we can actually have an impact with our lives if we do worship God rightly. Turn with me now to page 1140, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1,140. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is a classic chapter in the Bible on the resurrection of the dead. If you ever want to read about the life to come and whether there is indeed hope after the grave, 1 Corinthians 15 is one of the first chapters you should turn to. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'll read from verse 54. Verse 54, where the Apostle Paul 
says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54, it says, When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And there we get the quote from Hosea in verse 55. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Hosea is very clear that our lives are smoke out the window unless we are redeemed from the grave. And we can be redeemed from the grave because of the work of Jesus Christ. Sin can be paid for in Christ and we can actually conquer death and our lives can be of great value because of what Jesus did at the cross where he died the death that we deserve. We can actually live forever past the grave. We can be of great value in the life to come because of the work of Jesus Christ so that our labor in the Lord is not in vain, it says there in verse 58. If you come to Christ, if you trust in Jesus Christ and begin to worship God by repentance and faith, you can be forgiven of your false worship and actually achieve something with your life. Your life can be of eternal value. If you serve God well, you will be more than mist, dew on the ground, some leaves, some chaff floating around, smoke that vanishes all too quickly. Instead, you can be precious in God's eyes. And he can polish you for eternity as a precious stone in his temple. So is your life worth something because you are working hard for God by faith in Christ? Or are you living in a delusion of grandeur, thinking you're such a big shot in this world and soon no one will care? It'll just be a few decades and you won't be alive. And a few decades from that, who will even know you ever existed? Are you simply smoke out the window? Are you simply a morning mist that will soon be dried up or dew on the ground that will soon be dried up or, blo or chaff that is blown quickly away? I encourage you, don't be annoying and then soon forgotten. Instead, trust in Christ and work hard, not for your glory, not in self-worship, but for God's glory. Jesus says this amazing statement, which often confuses people as they first hear it, but he says that if you lose your life for him, you actually find it. If you lose your life, you find it. And so if you give up your self-worship, if you give up the worship of other gods, you actually find your life and are valuable. So I encourage you, work hard for Christ, not for your own self-exaltation, and children, I encourage you too. There's children amongst us this morning. There's a pull on your life early on to make much of yourself, to live for your own glory. Don't listen to Satan's lie that you can have a great impact in this world 
in your own strength. Instead, I encourage you to let your life be about making much for Christ and not making much of yourself. And if you are a Christian here this morning, rejoice in the fact that your life actually means something, that you are not smoke out the window, that you are not leaves that are quickly blown away or morning mist or dew. And therefore, don't fear the wicked. I have a conversation fairly regularly with my Roman Catholic neighbour at the moment about the whole issue of same-sex marriage, which is swirling around us uh, every day in the media. There's something about it. And she's really worried about it all. And she debriefs, I think, basically with me um, quite regularly about it. And I say to her, don't worry, God will prevail through all of it. God is still on his throne. It's okay. And she says, I wish I had your faith, Joel. I wish I had your faith. I say, don't worry, it'll be okay. Because Hosea reminds us that the enemy will not triumph. That they're mist, they're dew, they're chaff on the ground. There are smoke that quickly goes out the window and no one will remember them in the future. The wicked may cause some trembling of people like my next door neighbour at the moment. They cause, just as it says there, that people trembled when Ephraim spoke, they trembled. And so people today, they may cause some trembling, but when the Son of God rises in the sky, he will dry them up just like the sun coming up and drying up the morning mist and the dew on the ground. And evildoers may be exalted, they may be praised greatly in this world. But one day the breath of God, the Holy Spirit himself, will blow on them. And like chaff that is swept away with a good gust of wind, or smoke that with a good gust of wind is blown out the window, they will be blown away as well and not remembered. And history confirms the truth of God's word about the enemies of God. Fearsome nations like Israel dried up and were blown away at God's command. Assyria, that nation that took over Israel, it was taken down as well. Babylon, which took over Assyria, was taken away as well. Greece, which took over Babylon, was taken away as well. And Rome, which took away Greece, was taken away. Where's Rome today? Mighty Roman Empire, which no one thought could ever fall. Where is it today? Where is the Grecian Empire? And even more recently, nations that people thought were terrible and great and powerful, where's the Soviet Union with all its terror today? Ah, yes, there may be some remnants there, but it's not what it once was. And powerful companies, not just nations come and go, but powerful companies that promote wickedness, they come and go as well. Think of a company like Playboy magazine. I don't usually think about Playboy magazine too much, but Time magazine tells us that circulation peaked in the 1970s. Now, I don't think that's because uh, interest in pornography has waned, but I think it's going through other mediums now. But a company like that, that people thought was the end of the world, many Christians would have been very, very upset about it. It's waning. Its circulation's always dropping. And what about its founder, Hugh Hefner? Where is he now? He may still be in his pyjamas. Apparently he was buried in them. But where is he now? With all his power, with all his strength, with all his might, with all the influence he had over pop culture. 
and the celebrities. He's out the window like smoke out of one of his pipes. He's gone. It's over. All over. With all his influence, it's all over now. And the individual terrorist who causes so much mayhem and people think about him and he's killed so many people, how quickly they're forgotten as well. I wonder how many people in this room could actually name the terrorist of Port Arthur Massacre, the, the one who shot all those people. Yes, we know of the Port Arthur Massacre, but could you tell me his name? You have to think for a moment, maybe, or maybe just because of recent events, you may have heard the name more recently, but could you actually tell me the name? Or in two decades' time, could you tell me his name? What about the person just from a couple of weeks ago in Las Vegas? Could you tell me his name? Or have some of you already forgotten what his name is? You know about the event, but you've forgotten his name. He's quickly like smoke out the window. In a few decades' time, maybe 50 years' time, some people will still remember him, about 100 years' time. How many people are going to remember that terrorist, that person who may have been trying to make a name for himself by killing lots of people? They may cause a bit of an increase in security measures for a time, some of these terrorists. They may improve in gun control, but people move on with their lives. It's not like they abandoned Port Arthur after that and no one ever went there again for fear. Or any of the countries, these cities that have terrorist action in them, very quickly smoke out the window. And these are the famous evildoers, the famous nations and companies and terrorists out there. What about the smaller fry, the ones that actually scare you, the school bully, who's king of the schoolyard at the moment, and you fear each day going to school or somebody else there that's going to attack you. Do you realise in a decade or two, you may have forgotten their name, that you won't even remember much about them at all, and they won't be king of your life, they will be totally out of your life altogether. The work colleague who has it in for you, always making snide remarks, bringing you down. You realise they're like mist. They'll soon be gone and you won't have to worry about them anymore. The friend who is now your enemy and you're not even sure what you did to make them your enemy and it really grieves you and upsets you and you're not really sure how to resolve the situation. You realise that in a few decades' time, they are completely like a morning mist or a dew that is dried up or leaves that are swept away or smoke out the window. And here you are, maybe even this morning, fretting about them. You're letting that person worry you, upset you, grieve you, doubt God's existence, doubt God's love for you when they'll be gone all too quickly. You're letting that person rob you of your joy in Christ, the good things that you have experienced in Christ, particularly the eternal life that you enjoy, the many blessings he has showered upon you in this world, and then you let that one person cause you grief. And it won't be long before no one even knows they exist. I think Hosea chapter 13 has much for us 
for encouragement this morning. It encourages us to reflect on our own life and how, unless we're living for the Lord, we're going to make very little impact ever. But also, for those people who distress us, those wicked people, those evildoers, those who attack us, we don't have to worry too much about them. They'll be gone all too soon. Keep looking to the Lord who will always be there. He's never smoke out the window. He's never chuff on the ground. He's never a morning mist or dew that disappears rapidly. He will always be there for you. Concentrate on him. Don't concentrate on smoke. Let us come to the Lord in prayer. Let's praise him even now. Oh, Heavenly Father, we deserve to be snuffed out without a trace. We deserve to have no lasting impact upon anyone or anything. We deserve no place in glory because of our sin. But Lord, you have redeemed us from the grave through Christ and our lives actually matter to you because of the work of Jesus Christ. And our labour is not in vain. You see it all and will reward us accordingly. So Lord, we pray that we would work hard for your glory. May our lives indeed matter much. And Lord, we come before you also this morning and confess that we have feared evildoers as though they were more than mist, more than dew, more than chaff, more than smoke, that they were going to have a lasting impact upon us when we shouldn't fear them at all because they'll be gone before we know it. So Lord, help us to trust you even when the wicked prosper even when evil nations prosper, even when large companies prosper, even when those who are significant in our lives prosper in their attacks upon us. Oh, Lord, help us not to fear, but help us to trust you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.